Hello, this is Dr. David Kahn, Associate Editor of Jackie in Practice. Thank you for listening to the Highlights podcast for the August Volume 9, Issue 8 of our journal on the theme of drug allergy. I would like to thank our theme editors, editorial board members Pascal Demily and Allison Ramsey, who did a terrific job coordinating this theme, and for a well-crafted editorial that adds nice context to the review articles on the theme of drug allergy. Regarding the drug allergy theme, there are an impressive seven reviews on this topic. There are three CME articles that cover the topics of the role of direct challenges in assessing beta-lactam allergy, prevention of drug allergy through pre-medication and pharmacogenic screening, as well as the hot topic of excipients as potential causes for drug and vaccine hypersensitivity reactions. There are additional reviews that cover the topics of treating through drug exanthems, which is clearly an important read, and how to interpret acute and baseline tryptase in perioperative anaphylaxis. There's a novel review on adverse reactions to illicit drugs and alcohol, and lastly, a review on the problems associated with the drug allergy label in the electronic record. In addition, there are two clinical commentary reviews that cover the topics of the role of enolases in allergic disease and a review on the impact of inhaler devices in patients with asthma or COPD. Let's now move on to review the highlights from the original articles in the August issue, which cover the topics of drug allergy, asthma, dermatitis, food allergy, insect sting allergy, mast cell disorders, and rhinosinusitis. The first original article is entitled, Dress and AGEP Reactions to Iodinated Contrast Media, a French case series by Saria et al. What is already known about this topic? Delayed hypersensitivity reactions to iodinated contrast media, ICM, are well known, mostly maculopapular exanthems, but acute generalized exanthematous pustulosis, AGEP, and drug reaction with eosinophilian systemic symptoms, DRESS, are rarely reported. What does this article add to our knowledge? Iodinated contrast media should be considered as a potential culprit drug in severe cutaneous adverse drug reactions. Skin testing to ICM demonstrates frequent cross-reactivity in both DRESS and AGEP reactions. How does this study impact current management guidelines? Skin testing appears useful for diagnosis and possibly identification of cross-reactive ICM agents in DRESS and AGEP reactions. The next article is entitled, Mast Cell Activation During Suspected Perioperative Hypersensitivity, A Need for Paired Samples Analysis by Ebo et al. What is already known about this topic? Measuring acute tryptase during an adverse perioperative event can help to recognize a mast cell-related hypersensitivity. What does this article add to our knowledge? Paired samples are useful for recognizing a hypersensitivity reaction and detecting an underlying mast cell-related predisposing condition. How does this study impact current management guidelines? Our data endorse the reliability of the 1.2 times baseline serum tryptase plus 2 consensus formula. The next article is entitled Association of Penicillin or Cephalosporin Allergy Documentation and Antibiotic Use in Hospitalized Patients with Pneumonia by Mancini et al. What is already known about this topic? Pneumonia affects over 450 million people per year. 
with treatment typically including beta-lactam antibiotics. Patients with unconfirmed penicillin or cephalosporin allergy may not receive beta-lactam antibiotics. What does this article add to our knowledge? We present the largest and most comprehensive U.S. study to date demonstrating that pneumonia patients with a documented penicillin and or cephalosporin allergy were treated less commonly with guideline-indicated beta-lactams. How does this study impact current management guidelines? Methods to reduce or eliminate unverified penicillin and or cephalosporin allergies are needed to increase prescribing of guideline-recommended beta-lactams for the treatment of inpatient pneumonia. The next article is entitled Efficacy and Safety of As-Needed Budesonide for Motorol in Adolescents with Mild Asthma by Riddell et al. What is already known about this topic? Low-dose inhaled corticosteroid treatment can reduce the risk of severe exacerbations and improve symptom control in patients with mild asthma, but poor adherence to maintenance therapy and reliance on short-acting beta agonists remain significant challenges in adolescent patients. What does this article add to our knowledge? In adolescents with mild asthma, as-needed budesonide famotorol reduced the risk of severe exacerbations versus short-acting beta agonists alone with similar efficacy to maintenance inhaled corticosteroid. There was no evidence of growth suppression in adolescents treated with as-needed budesonide famotorol. How does this study impact current management guidelines? The finding that as-needed budesonide famotorol is a safe and viable treatment option in adolescent patients without the need for daily maintenance treatment supports the Global Initiative for Asthma Positioning of as-needed inhaled corticosteroid formoterol as preferred reliever in adolescents with mild asthma. The next article is entitled Physician-Patient Concordance in the Assessment of Asthma Control by Fulbergi et al. What is it already known about this topic? Difference of opinion between patients and physicians regarding asthma control is common. In addition, patients may misjudge how well controlled their disease is. Discordance between physician and patient perceptions may negatively impact symptom control and outcomes. What does this article add to our knowledge? Patient self-assessment of overall control did not accurately reflect control status as assessed by Global Initiative for Asthma Symptom Criteria. There was only moderate concordance between physicians and patients' perceptions of asthma control. How does this study impact current management guidelines? Assessment of the individual components that constitute control, e.g. items on the asthma control test and global initiative for asthma symptom criteria, and consideration of the patient's perspective of control should be integrated into physicians' regular assessments. The next article is entitled the Asthma Toolkit Bootcamp to Improve Rural Primary Care for Pediatric Asthma by Bender et al. What is already known about this topic? Rural children with asthma often do not receive guidelines consistent care. Current management guidelines indicate that spirometry should be used by all providers, both primary care and specialists, for effective asthma management. What does this article add to our knowledge? The Asthma Toolkit Program brings intense, spirometry-focused training to rural primary care physicians to improve management and outcomes of pediatric asthma. How does this study impact current management guidelines? This study suggests that engaging rural providers in their community with interactive, repeated training focused 
on high-impact practice changes can improve asthma care and may improve asthma-related health outcomes. The next article is entitled Spirometric Changes in Bronchodilate the next article is entitled Spirometric Changes in Bronchodilation Tests as Predictors of Asthma Diagnosis and Treatment Response in Patients with FEV1 Greater Than or Equal to 80% Predicted by Howe et al. What is already known about this topic? Many patients with mild asthma are undiagnosed and untreated due to the low diagnostic sensitivity of the bronchodilation test, according to the current methods recommended by the Global Initiative for Asthma. What does this article add to our knowledge? Change in FEV1% in bronchodilation test and fractional exhaled nitric oxide as a predictive model of an anti-asthma response can be applied in clinical practice, and its credibility is bolstered by the finding of pathological changes in patients with a predicted positive response to anti-asthma therapy. How does this study impact current management guidelines? This study can improve the diagnosis of mild asthma and provide tools for physicians diagnosing and treating asthma, especially in primary hospitals or institutions without access to bronchial challenge tests. The next article is entitled, Sensitization to Implant Components is Associated with Joint Replacement Failure, Identification and Revision to Non-Allergic Hardware Improves Outcomes, by Meyer et al. What is already known about this topic? Of the over 1 million joint replacements performed in the United States each year, 10% will do poorly. Commonly considered causes include infection and mechanical issues related to the implant. What does this article add to our knowledge? Sensitization to implant hardware or bone cement is another cause of joint replacement failure and should be assessed by patch or blood testing to implant components. Revision based on sensitization information leads to measurable improvement. How does this study impact current management guidelines? Testing for sensitization to implant components needs to be part of the routine evaluation of joint failure patients. Information obtained from such testing should be used to inform revision choices. The next article is entitled Sleep Disturbance in School-Aged Children with Atopic Dermatitis, Prevalence and Severity in a Cross-Sectional Sample by Fishbein et al. What is already known about this topic? Sleep disturbance is common in atopic dermatitis, AD. Patient-reported outcome measurement information system sleep disturbance is a meaningful outcome to capture the lived experiences of sleep, which our group has validated in pediatric AD. What does this article add to our knowledge? About 3 million U.S. children experience AD-induced sleep disturbance. This equates to 67% of all children with AD and 91% with severe disease. Sleep disturbance in AD is associated with neuropsychiatric impairment, depression, anxiety, and inattention. How does this study impact current management guidelines? Clinicians should screen for sleep disturbance and neuropsychiatric symptoms in school-aged children, particularly those with moderate to severe AD. The next article is entitled, Potential Efficacy of High-Dose Inhaled Salbutamol for the Treatment of Abdominal Pain During Oral Food Challenge by Frugier et al. What is known about this topic? Acute abdominal pain is a frequent manifestation of IgE-mediated allergy for which there is currently no treatment with demonstrated efficacy. What does this article add to our knowledge? Administration of high-dose inhaled salbutamol is found to be associated with a rapid improvement 
and resolution of abdominal cramping from IgE-mediated food allergic reactions. How does this study impact management guidelines? This study provides hypothesis-generating evidence supporting the use of inhaled salbutamol for the treatment of acute abdominal pain during oral food challenges. These findings need to be confirmed in a double-blind randomized controlled trial. The next article is entitled, Increased Rates of Peanut and Tree Nut Aspiration as a Possible Consequence of Allergy Prevention by Early Introduction by Leung et al. What is already known about this topic? Studies and guidelines on allergy prevention are encouraging early ingestion of allergens to prevent food allergy. Peanuts and tree nuts are choking hazards for infants and young children. What does this article add to our knowledge? We noted a rise in food aspiration in young children since the publication of the Learning Early About Peanut Allergy Study. How does this study impact current management guidelines? The observations suggest that earlier introduction of hard foods for prevention purposes could be driving increased aspiration and is therefore an urgent need to educate parents and caregivers about safe, solid food introduction in children. The next article is entitled Natural History of IgE-Mediated Fish Allergy in Children by Zeppa Padaki et al. What is already known about this topic? Fish allergy is usually persistent and involves multiple fish species. What does this article add to our knowledge? Fish allergy usually appears at the age of one to two years. Fish allergy resolves by adolescence in a substantial proportion of children. Some fish species may be tolerated by most fish allergic children. How does this study impact current management guidelines? Children with fish allergy should be periodically evaluated for resolution of the allergy and for the ability to include specific fish species in their diet. The next article is entitled Biomarkers of the Severity of Honeybee Sting Reactions and the Severity and Threshold of Systemic Adverse Events During Immunotherapy by Kopak et al. What is already known about this topic? Stings by hymenopter insects can cause systemic allergic reactions, and during venom immunotherapy, especially during the buildup phase, patients can develop severe systemic adverse events. What does this article add to our knowledge? Baseline tryptase and basophil activation are biomarkers of the severity of sting reactions and the severity and threshold of systemic adverse events during immunotherapy in patients with honeybee venom allergy. How does this study impact current management guidelines? In selected patients, baseline tryptase and basophil activation test results can facilitate the decision for starting immunotherapy and or for the selection of the most appropriate and safe buildup schedule of honeybee venom immunotherapy. The next article is entitled Health-Related Quality of Life and Influencing Factors in Adults with Non-Advanced Mastocytosis, a Cross-Sectional Study and Qualitative Approach by Pulfer et al. What is already known about this topic? Mastocytosis is a rare and heterogeneous disorder with a wide range of symptoms. Patients report disease-related effects on their lives in physical, emotional, and social aspects. What does this article add to our knowledge? Impairments and burdens vary greatly among adult patients with mastocytosis. There are indications of several influencing factors, but symptom-related impairments might have the strongest impact on health-related quality of life. 
How does this study impact current management guidelines? Information on mastocytosis-related burdens and influencing factors on health-related quality of life should assist in understanding and assessing patients' concerns and support physicians in the management and therapeutic treatment of patients with mastocytosis. The next article is entitled Diagnosis of Primary Mast Cell Disorders in Anaphylaxis, Value of Kit D816V in Peripheral Blood by D. Pusselier et al. What is already known about this topic? Detection of a Kit D816V mutation in extracutaneous cells is a minor criterion for the diagnosis of systemic mastocytosis. Recently, several techniques have been introduced for its detection in peripheral blood, PB. What does this article add to our knowledge? In 60% of patients with PMCD without mastocytosis in the skin and a low mast cell burden presenting with anaphylaxis, no kit D816V mutation in peripheral blood is detectable. How does this study impact current management guidelines? In patients with low mast cell burden, kit D816V in peripheral blood mutation analysis should be interpreted together with scoring tools to make a better assessment in identifying patients who should undergo bone marrow biopsy. The last article is entitled Prevalence of Bronchiectasis in Patients with Chronic Rhinosinusitis in a Tertiary Care Center by Peters et al. What is already known about this topic? The unified airway hypothesis suggests a link between upper and lower respiratory diseases. Chronic rhinosinusitis, CRS, is associated with more severe asthma and vice versa. Associations between CRS and other lower respiratory conditions are less understood. What does this article add to our knowledge? This study found that bronchiectasis is more common among patients with CRS compared with asthmatic patients and that concurrent bronchiectasis in CRS patients may contribute to continued sinopulmonary infections after sinus surgery. How does this study impact current management guidelines? This study suggests that patients with CRS should be screened for bronchiectasis if clinically indicated. This concludes our highlights of the August 2021 issue of Jackie in Practice. I'm David Kahn. Thank you for listening, and I am confident you will find this issue informative and helpful in the care of your patients.